Today's message is the second in a sermon series based on our vision statement, a place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus. Our session, that is our board of elected leaders, has adopted this statement for our church community as an invitation to remember who we are after the disruptions of the pandemic and a challenge to encourage us to go further in embracing who God is calling us to be as a community of Christ followers together. Last week and this week, we are focusing on what it means to belong. Last week, Dale reminded us that the Bible teaches that to follow Christ means to renounce hostility, engage in reconciliation, and to honor justice. When we are truly in Christ, the old life is gone and a new life in community begins. Dale elaborated on the differences between fitting in and belonging. Fitting in means being who you think you need to be in order to be accepted. And belonging means allowing your authentic self to shine through and being accepted by other people for who you really are. A church community engaged in following Christ is ideally a place where we practice letting ourselves be seen for who we are and where we encourage people to belong to our community with a sense of authenticity and diversity, trusting that we are united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. This week, I'm following up on Dale's points with a reflection on belonging based on two scriptures from the Gospel according to Luke, the story of Zacchaeus and the story of the woman who washes Jesus' feet with her hair. Both Zacchaeus and the woman eventually end up at different meals, but at meals together with Jesus, along with some religious leaders and some disciples. As you listen to the scriptures being read, Ask yourself, out of all the people Jesus spends time with, which of them belongs at the table with Jesus? Our first reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the oil on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. A certain lender had two debtors. One owed enough money to pay 500 people for a day's work. The other owed enough money for 50. When they couldn't pay, the lender forgave the debts of them both. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Jesus said, you've judged correctly. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your home, 
You didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has per poured perfumed oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven. So she has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, who is this person that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and save the lost. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Did you come up with an answer to the question? Out of the disciples, the Pharisees, the woman, and Zacchaeus, who belongs at the table with Jesus? None of them? All of them? How would a Pharisee answer that question? What about the disciples? How about the woman? What does she think? What about Zacchaeus? How does he feel? We know from the scripture reading that neither Zacchaeus nor the woman were considered worthy of belonging at a meal with well-regarded people. The culture of Jesus's time and our time share in the lie that there is not enough belonging to go around, as if a sense of belonging is a finite resource. We erect dividing walls and separations, literally and figuratively, to create situations where some people are in and some are out. You have to fight to get into the inner circle, and the inner circle is the only place to be. Every place becomes a middle school cafeteria, metaphorically. We want to sit at the cool kids table, and we don't want everyone to be able to sit there because if anyone can sit there, it's not cool anymore. It's just a regular table, right? And who wants to sit at a regular table? Ugh. The great irony is that one experience that everyone has in common is that we know how it feels to be excluded or to not be chosen. Think about it for a second. 
Maybe you didn't ever want to sit at the literal cool kids table in middle school. Maybe you were above wanting to be cool. But in your life, I bet that there's a team you wanted to make and didn't, or a job that you wanted that you didn't get, or a relationship that you cared about that fell apart. Everyone can think of a time when something happened that made you feel rejected and unwanted or like you didn't fit in. Just like Zacchaeus and the woman, they don't fit in. Quite literally, in Zacchaeus's case, he literally doesn't fit in with everyone else because of his size. He must have been quite noticeably small to deserve a mention of his height in the gospel record. Down through the ages, Zacchaeus is known as a wee little man. A wee little man was he, as the Sunday school song goes. We teach the Zacchaeus story to children because they can relate to being small like Zacchaeus. But the hidden message is that Zacchaeus is somehow not fully adult because he has to climb a tree to see. And that's perceived as embarrassing. For real, though, we do unconsciously judge people on their size. There's research that shows that statistically men of smaller stature tend, not always, but tend to make less money and are promoted to leadership less often than their taller counterparts and are less likely to receive responses from their online dating profile than any other demographic group. People have a weird bias around height. Still, it wasn't just that Zacchaeus was short that made him an outsider. People also rejected Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector, a very hated group of people. The crowd grumbles about Jesus going to the house of a sinner. Zacchaeus responds to the grumbling by saying, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Let's pause here for a minute for a nerd alert. Me, I'm the nerd. In this verse is a very interesting translation problem. In the biblical Greek, the verbs give and repay, as in, Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor and I repay them four times as much, are in the present indicative tense as they are here translated in the common English Bible. And this would lead us to believe that the meaning is an action that is happening right now. But scholars cannot agree on how to translate this verb tense. Normally, by using the present indicative active, the gospel writer would mean, and does mean elsewhere, the present tense, that Zacchaeus has an ongoing practice of giving to the poor and being honest in his dealings with others right now. And he then is therefore a misunderstood tax collector defending himself in front of a crowd who misjudges him. The crowd assumes Zacchaeus is a bad guy because he's a tax collector, but he's defending himself as being actually very fair and generous. However, some translations choose to see Zacchaeus' statement as having more of a future point of view. Now that Zacchaeus has met Jesus, from now on, he will give to the poor and repay anyone he has cheated. Not that he has done this presently, but from this moment on, he will give to the poor and repay anyone he has cheated. I bring this translation problem up because it affects how we, as readers of the Bible, see Zacchaeus. And it affects any sermon you've ever heard on him. 
Is Zacchaeus a misunderstood but generous person? Or is he a cheater who has a change of heart? Can we judge Zacchaeus ourselves? Perhaps only Jesus knows Zacchaeus's true self. Either translation you choose, whether he's always been generous or is now repenting of a misdeed, it's clear that the crowd does not like Zacchaeus. But Jesus is unaffected by the crowd's opinion. Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. Jesus acknowledges that Zacchaeus is part of the family. Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus with loving kindness and friendship, bringing Zacchaeus into his circle of companions, showing Zacchaeus that he belongs. Looking at the scripture about the woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears and hair, we see Jesus is similarly unconcerned about popular opinion. The religious leader with whom Jesus is eating thinks that this woman is totally gross and inappropriate, and honestly, maybe she is. But Jesus sees her heart and her good intentions, and he shows her kindness and mercy instead of rejecting her like the others. He welcomes her fully, and he forgives her sins. She then belongs to Jesus, no matter what other people think of her. She, too, is part of the family of God. In the case of Zacchaeus and the woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears and hair, Jesus saw the people's authentic selves, sins and all, and welcomed them completely into his presence. Zacchaeus and the woman didn't fit in, but they do belong to Jesus. Since we're thinking about our vision statement, a place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus, let's connect the dots between the woman and Zacchaeus belonging to Jesus and living as the church together today. Regarding the church today, I love this quote about church from author Kara K. Root in her book, The Deepest Belonging. She says, any religious structure, institution, or system is just the container that either restricts or creates space for us to experience our belonging to God and each other. Any religious structure, institution, or system, so church, is just the container that either restricts or creates space for us to experience our belonging to God and each other. If the church is the container that either restricts or creates space for us to experience our belonging to God and each other, then are we collectively creating space for each of us together to experience our belonging to God and each other? It's a question for the church. Last week, Dale spoke about our vision statement, a place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus, as an invitation and a challenge. The invitation is that church should be a place where we create spaces to share our authentic selves and practice belonging to one another, and we are invited to do so. And the challenge is that we are aiming to be a space to share our authentic selves and practice belonging to one another. That is not an easy thing to do. Are we an open place full of people who show up with authenticity, welcoming newcomers and each other to relax and be themselves? 
Or are we a place that sets down barriers, disqualifying people from fully belonging if they don't fit some preconceived notion of what a good Christian is, so that people feel like they have to pretend to be something they are not to fit in? One caveat, important caveat, after Dale's sermon last week, someone asked, what if your authentic self is a jerk? Okay, they didn't say jerk. They said something more colorful. But yes, what if someone's authentic self is a jerk? To that, I would say, entering into Christian community with one another asks of each of us to submit to the law of love your neighbor. A submission that requires us to try not to be jerks to each other, even if that is our first inclination. To be in community asks of us to examine our own prejudices and biases and to try to be better. And also asks of us to forgive and give grace. Belonging doesn't mean that one is allowed to be a jerk to others without consequences for actions and doesn't require people to endlessly tolerate unkind behavior. Christians are asked to lovingly call one another to account and speak the truth in love as Jesus did. Creating space for people to belong together requires that we trust each other. Therefore, all of us must be authentic in our desire to love our neighbors as ourselves. As Zacchaeus and the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair experienced what it meant to belong to God by experiencing Jesus's compassion, loving kindness, forgiveness, and friendship. It follows then that a church that follows Jesus should attempt to be a place where we all experience and extend compassion, loving kindness, forgiveness, and friendship. If we ask the starting question again, out of all the people Jesus spends time with, which of them actually belongs at the table with Jesus? The answer is obviously everyone. Jesus welcomes everyone to sit at his table. Belonging to Jesus is an infinite resource. There's always enough love to go around. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that at the core of everything, God's grace and God's mercy reside, and our deepest and truest selves are always claimed, already claimed, and loved by God. We always belong to God, and thank God for that. Amen.